you're tuned in with In the Blind with Combat Waterfowl, the podcast. Thank you for listening. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back for episode two. I'm your host, Robert Brewer. Co-host, Andrew Beck. Uh, you can check us out on all social media platforms at Combat Waterfowl. Yep, yep. So we just recently uh, started a public Snapchat, so please follow us on Snapchat. Uh, the snap is Combat Waterfowl. Go figure. Um, Snapchat is going to be a platform that we're going to use pretty religiously. Um, so we're going to be posting kind of flash sales on there. So it's just a way to also connect with, uh, connect with us and the brand and making sure that, uh, you're staying up to date on releases. Um, you know, Snapchat is such a popular platform that I think it gives people a, a more instant access to what's going on. So, um, please get at me on Snapchat and, uh, love to hear from you guys. Also, go get after that new uh, pad drop. We got, I think it's yes. fire. This drops, so this will drop on Tuesday, right? The the following day, the next day after this drops, is going to be a hoodie drop on September 15th. Uh, been getting a ton of people asking for hoodies, so those are coming. Midweight and heavyweight, two different colors. The heavyweight, boy. Yeah, 230 grams of uh, cuddly warmth. <laughs> I'm ready for heavyweight weather. You ain't lying, dude. You ain't lying. Speaking of weather, man, how was uh, New York? Man, I got to tell you, yeah. So uh, for those of you who didn't catch up, so too, I just uh, went up to New York uh, with some of the boys and did a little goose hunting. Um, it was okay. Uh, I, You know, day one, be watching the field set up and um, – we ended up not being in the exact right spot in the field. Uh, birds ended up wanting to be in the bottom of the field when previously they were at the they're at this little knoll at the top. So we were kind of set up off the X. And once the first group dropped in, uh, every other bird followed them. So that sucked. Uh, day two was kind of more of the same. Um, didn't really get on them too hard. And uh, day three, we thought we were going to have a banger. There was a huge feed. Uh, we had permission up until seems like the last minute um i guess uh the the property owner um pulled decided he was going to take uh two kids out there which is a good thing um we we're trying to maybe see if we could tag along with them and uh that didn't work out so uh we just set up a traffic spread about half a mile away in a field that that we uh that my buddy owned so um we were able to pull a few off of that but it was nothing like what we watched i mean there was probably five, 600 birds poured in there in small groups all morning long. So it, it hurt to watch, but it was, um, uh, it was cool that, uh, those kids and, and that guy got to go have a good hunt, uh, but it was good to see the boys, you know, yeah, man, it'd be like that though. Sometimes, you know what I mean? They don't always come out glorious. That's for sure. Well, uh, so this week we're going to have the, uh, what I like to call the great gear debate. I just want to shoot the round table, man. Let's just talk about some gear. Stuff we're fired up about, stuff we don't really like, and uh, some things that we use uh, that we think could be beneficial to everybody. Controversial topics, to say the least, some of this stuff. So, yeah. Let's just you know, jump right into uh, controversy, man. Let's go. All right. Yeah, we'll start with the confrontation. All right. So, there's this big, there's this big thing that surrounds Sitka, right? Um, Andy, you are not, you are not a Sitka guy. Not at all. Don't own a single piece. Me, on the other hand, I feel like if someone made underwear, I'd have it. I have a, a piece of first light. I mean, but not sick. I mean, that's, that's similar. 
So let's talk about let's talk about that for a minute. So I got turned on to Sika, I don't know, probably three, four seasons ago, something like that. Uh, I remember being in Washington State. I'd gone up to uh, hunt with my buddy Eric Bakken, and I had this uh, I had this Drake jacket, and I'd had this Drake jacket for two, three years, right? And um, it's supposed to be waterproof. All right, Washington State is obviously Washington State. It rains there all the time. So we go on this hunt, man, and I get soaking wet. It's raining. I get soaking wet. And I got, to be honest with you, I got pretty upset because it's cold. And this jacket is supposed to be waterproof, and it's not. So, <laughs> I mean, I just, I had to do something, right? So I think the first piece of sick of gear that I ever bought was a Delta wading jacket. And uh, from there, man, like, I was hooked. Now you have every pattern. Well, all right. So, <laughs> The pattern, the patterns are relevant, but yes, I do have two different, I do have the timber and I do have the marsh to an extent. I feel like, uh, you know, if, if the duck is, or the goose is close enough to see what camo pattern you're wearing, um, you know, I think, I think that you should have already probably pulled the trigger. Right. But I mean, it's, it's, it's for the hunter. Right. But as far as the gear itself goes, I think that, you know, any more like sick is a status symbol to a lot of people and a lot of people look at it a lot of people hate on it because of the price the end state is man like you get what you pay for whether that's uh whether that's sicko whether that's first light you know whatever if you're the guy that's going out and you're hunting if you're hunting on a regular basis or you're hunting in environments where you know um it's cold it's super cold and you want to have the opportunity to have a system that's layered um, I think that's where Sika really shines, man. Honestly, uh, you know, like the, a lot of my old Drake stuff is built around, you know, one particular season. Right. And then it's bulky. So the cold weather stuff is bulky. Um, you know, we were both in the army, you know, we had the, the Equix, the extended cold weather system, um, you know, it was built around layers and Sika kind of follows that same model. And so, you know, when you have, you start out with the, the base layer and, you know, if it's, you, know, you might throw on a duck oven and then if it's uh if it's kind of middle of the way there cold you might wear a hudson as an outer layer instead um but there's different the layers are what makes it uh a good system to me and the durability aspect the customer service is bar none if you have a problem um but yeah you're gonna pay for it man but you know for the guy that goes out and hunts seven days a year i don't really think that it, it it's worth it i think that you can do just as good um with other stuff or if you're just getting into it you don't even know if you're gonna like the sport yet um you know i don't think that it's it's something that you would invest in you know uh i mean what's your take like why haven't you jumped on that i i would say i'm not on the bandwagon yet because i'm i'm the type of guy like if i buy a piece of gear i'm gonna run it into the ground um and just keep that wearing it. you know i've got the same uh Drake jacket that I've been wearing for, I don't know, yeah, probably as long as we've been hunting together, I've been wearing that thing, man. I don't even know what camo pattern it is, to be honest with you. It's a comfortable jacket. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got that striker jacket that you gave me. I wear that, depending on what type of hunting I'm doing. Awesome jacket. Um, but, uh, so, I will say that one reason why I kind of want to start transitioning to it is one, my gear is not so some of my gear is not up to par like it used to be, whether it be that as I get older, my temperament's changing, 
Um, I used to be the type of guy, you know, I could go out and hunt in some 600 and a hoodie down to 35 degrees and be fine. I can't do that anymore. But like you bring up an interesting point though, I layer with my current gear uh, just as a habit, you know, from using the stuff that the army gave us and I sweat in it because nothing beyond the base layer is breathable. So that like if you if you sit in that for a while, and I I didn't notice this. I was down in Mississippi deer hunting last year, and like I was it was cold cold. Well, for Mississippi terms, it was cold. But like all of my base layers were like they felt damp. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Come to find out, they were because nothing else was breathing that I was wearing to include you know pants and stuff like that. So that's kind of my guiding light into wanting to start buying a few pieces yeah i did dude i mean if you don't buy any piece i think a delta wading jacket is probably the most versatile thing in the world man you can wear that thing in september you can wear it over base layers even if you have like other stuff you know like that you wear um if you haven't made the full plunge yet you know and i'm not trying to like plug them to death but i just believe in it man i put it i put it to work um you know and down here in early season all the way through um, North Dakota running the fields, uh, Arkansas in the mud, Washington in the rain, it stood up for me. And, you know, I know we don't have to beat that horse to death, but, you know, I think that, I think that there's so much, like, there's so much hate around it. And, and part of it, dude, like, to be honest, like there's a lot of people that hate on it cause they can't afford it. Right. <laughs> That's just kind of the, you know, jealousy is a, is an evil thing, but there's there's a whole another population that I don't think just believes in it yet. Uh, for whatever reason, they just, you know, they stand by what they stand by, and that's cool. I hope that, you know, maybe this just brought a different perspective. I think that on the spectrum, a lot of people, I think it goes with any type of, like, bandwagon. Yeah. A lot of people are hard-pressed to hop on something. So, like, when it first came out, you know, I, you know, a couple of guys that I hung with, they, they were buying pieces of it, and I was just like, ah, man, I'm not really sold on it. You know what I mean? Well. Uh, me and Josh were hunting one day. I had forgotten like a, a big jacket or whatever. He had two jackets in the truck. He was like, bro, just put on the, I think he's got like the, uh, one of the hoodies, the zip up hoodie. I forgot the name. And uh, I wore that, bro. And, uh, it kind of, it put some new light in there. You know, it's light and all that. Um, I think that though with the, the bandwagon thing is like a lot of people just had to be in like impressed with it if that makes sense like they had to see the quality over time to make that plunge the bandwagon situation goes with so much in waterfowl you know if you're not blowing rnt calls if you're not you know using dive bomb decoys if you're not doing whatever i think that you know i think that there's a it's marketing like through and through i mean think about think about you know 10 years ago when yeti coolers first came out if you didn't have a yeti cooler you weren't nothing right um, is there science behind those coolers? Absolutely. There is a hundred percent, you know, a roto molded cooler is, is definitely going to be better than a, uh, than an old igloo, but you know, like on the decoy subject, you know, people get, people get all up in arms about that, dude. You know, like I have a insanely mixed spread, uh, and it really depends on like what species I'm hunting, right? Like if I'm going to be hunting divers and sea ducks, I want foam decoys or at a minimum foam filled decoys. Uh, I don't want regular plastic decoys because people are going to shoot your decoys and it's going to happen. Um, so I would prefer to have a decoy that is going to last a little bit. 
you know, do I need to go and spend an insane amount on, uh, on, you know, Dixies or Falfalures or, um, some of those, maybe, maybe not. I own, um, I own Falfaler decoys. I own Dixie decoys. Um, they're incredible products, man. Um, but to the average guy, do they need it? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but there's definitely something to be said about putting money into quality gear. So on that point, talking about decoys, man, I, uh, I don't think like if I'm the guy that's just running singles, I would be perfectly fine with plastic foam build, right? No issues with those. But if I'm pulling long lines all day, I, I'm not going to be a fan of plastic foam. Man. It's just it's a lot in of the bags, you know, on and the decoy. all that to say though, you know, and this is, I think Dixie decoys did a really good job of proving this uh, to anybody who's actually hunted them. You don't have to have hyper-realistic decoys, uh, especially for divers and sea ducks, man. Um, dude, I don't, I did a youth hunt. Uh, it was three seasons ago. I had jet black spray painted and painted uh, with, um, I think it was bare exterior. Uh, or maybe it was another enamel. Anyway, they were painted solid black because I was skater hunting, and I'd set um, two kids up on a skater spread with the layout boat, and, you know, just, I don't know, 10 minutes after shooting light, two groups of green-winged teal buzzed right in, dropped right in, and those boys had a field day on those green-winged teal. Over, no, there was nothing there. There was no, nothing. They were just plump, blank decoys. No eyes, no detail, no nothing. All solid black. And, uh, and they did just fine, man. I mean, it's, I think people get so wrapped up in has to have this, has to have that. And ultimately it's, it's more or less a marketing technique for the hunter than it is for the birds, uh, to an extent. I, I mean, I agree, man. I feel like the, the same ordeal with, uh, flocking, man. I'm, I'm not like big on it. Like I just... There, there is science behind it. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, you can divulge into something however deep you want to, but can you really prove the statistics on it? Because the conditions are never the same. Flocking is one of those that I, I have to, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying I've seen it, you know, I've seen the, the effects of that. You know, a flocked decoy is not going to shine when the sun comes up and it hits it and it's due, there's dew on the spread. Um, that's where that, that really, that flocking really helps. Um, but it, I mean, it, you have to look at your area, right? Like if you're hunting, you know, if you're hunting in an area that you, you know, you don't have a lot of that in the morning, then I mean, is it really a big deal? If you're going to leave a decoy spread, if you're going to go set up a decoy spread the night before, cause you have a big spread to set up and you're going to leave it out all night. And, you know, that, that might be where a flock decoy is going to shine. You know, if that's the situation that you have to, you know, people down here, we'll bring it up. Mojos. Okay. Dude. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, the only time that I am all about a mojo or a spinning wing decoy is in the field. In a field, there is no denying that a mojo is going to bring in birds. I mean, a hundred percent. They just, for whatever reason, Canada geese, they, they hate them, but ducks, they're dumping in, dude. It's, it's a magnet. So on the opposite end, I am a fan of uh, wind whackers. 
yeah, for sure. I mean, for, for scoters and divers, I definitely think that the, that little bit of motion, um, it definitely helps. I, I think that, but there's days, you know, and I don't, I don't know how to pinpoint it, but there's days it works. There's days that they won't come near it. There's days that it's a magnet and it sucks them right in. I don't think that's the same for trying to puddle duck down here anyway, you know, in North Carolina, seems like every Tom, Dick and Harry's running three mojos on water and it just, and they're trying to hunt puddle ducks, you know, wood ducks, mallards, whatever. And I just, I don't find them effective. I think that they, um, they hurt more than they help. Now, jerk rigs, hundred percent. I think I'm, I'm a believer in jerk rigs. I think that they work really well and provide emotion on the water. Um, do I think that people always use them at the right times? No. And I think people get stuck in a, stuck in a rut. It's just, you know, man, I, people go, I'll use, I'll use a, an off topic example to kind of illustrate this point. You know, we go offshore fishing, right? And we're out there in the Gulf stream and we hook up to a Wahoo. All right. Obviously I'm going to mark the point on my, on my GPS just so I know where I hooked up at. Cause there's obviously bait there. But if I go back two weeks later, pull the same spread over the same spot, that doesn't mean that I'm going to catch another Wahoo there. It's the same thing for duck hunting, man. You have to be adaptable. Use the gear that you have and try new things. And if something's not working, change what you're doing. Don't be so like stuck to a particular product or a particular setup that you do the same thing every single time with the same results. Well, I think too that the part of it goes into that for me is like when you look at guys that, you know, you hunt, you can hunt the same areas and you see the same guys in the same spots every time and really i think that's just a comfortability thing like that's what they're comfortable with like you like i would go this way too like you you think about like you talk to you know say you're going somewhere somewhat blind you've been to the area but you haven't like set in that exact spot most guys you hunt with they're going to say no i'm not comfortable going there one because it's pitch dark when you're running out there if you're going to go to an area that you've never been in before like, I don't care what decoys you have. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care what gun you're shooting or what ammo you're shooting. I don't care. If you're not where the birds are, you're not going to get them no matter what. You can spend all the money in decoys that you can't use you want to. If you're not where the birds are going to be, it's not going to work. And people don't scout like they should. That's the number one thing. Find the birds, set up on them. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, if I go somewhere, I, you know, I know that there's not a lot of birds there. I'm going to mimic that exact thing. Right. I'm not going to go out there and throw six dozen when I saw, you know, 40 or 50 ducks yeah. the day before. That doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. I don't know, man. Like, brought up guns, right? So I'm, people are so loyal. People are so loyal to their, to their things, man. I, I've got three different brands of shotguns. Um, do I use all three of them? I've had good experiences. I've had bad experiences. Let's talk about, a bad experience that you had, Andy. Uh, so, um, I uh, I'm not a loyal shotgun or cleaning person at all. Uh, first shotgun I ever bought, or a cleaning person. So let's get to this. So, uh, I guess the first nice shotgun I ever bought for myself was a uh, a Super Black Eagle too, man. I like. It was the rave at that time. You know, it hadn't been on the market very long. It was a it is a very nice shotgun. I'll say that. One, it didn't fit me, and I'm a firm believer that stop being so brand loyal. 
And I'm like, like this is hard because I don't ever make like really hard points, but stop being so loyal to your shotgun. It's not the shotgun that can't shoot. It's you and your fitness that can't shoot. Point blank and simple. Like point blank and simple. Like I get so tired of looking on Facebook forums and you know what you know what patterns best or you know what you know get out there. Use your fitment. If you got to shim it, shim it. Uh, if you go through and you shim it completely and you still don't get it right, that's not the shotgun for you. I hate to say it. Either you can't shoot or your form is wrong or the fitment's just not for you. Are we just trying to skip over what happened in Michigan, Andy? Because you're, you're really trying to avoid it. We're getting there. So brand A shotgun, the, uh, the Benelli, didn't fit me. It was terrible. I wasn't a good shot with it, um, and I consider myself a, a moderate to decent shooter. Not, I don't think I'm, you know, by any means a sharp shooter with the shotgun. But um, I switched to brand B, which was SX4, a little bit smaller, fits me, five seven, two hundred pounds. Not a very big guy. Shoot the lights out with it, but there's a definitely a quality issue difference. I never had to clean my Benelli ever maybe once every like a detailed hardcore cleaning maybe once every five months um the first season i had it i never cleaned it at all every time i pulled it out it was, it was fine probably went through two three hundred rounds just the whole time the winchester absolutely not like it has to have a repetition cleaning so the story is uh we're up in michigan uh in the deadbeat middle of the migration, um, what you said is probably say anywhere between oh, 10, 20,000 birds easy. out there. Like, I mean, easy. A, a good, that's a good low ball number. Um, but uh, I, uh, two other guys got in the layout first. They limited it out. I got pumped up and getting ready to get in the layout and uh, pop up first time, click, nothing. And I was like, okay, well, rack it back, keep going. Next block comes in, click. So it went on for maybe three or four times. And then uh, Robert comes over the radio and he's like, are you going to shoot today <laughs> or tomorrow? Um, and I proceeded to keep going. <laughs> Finally, I saw the boat coming up and he literally just threw me a shot. Couldn't even get out of this bread before and, birds, uh, more birds were I dropping in. Like it was, it was crazy, man. Those divers were just bombing in there. Just left and right, left and right. So, you know, to your point, Andy, uh, what did we learn? We learned that we have to clean our guns. Yeah. So, you know, I, I use, um, I have Benelli's, I have Browning's, uh, I personally can, can shoot, um, reasonably well with, with either one. Uh, I do prefer, I do prefer my Benelli's, uh, and it's mainly for that reason, uh, the reliability aspect. Uh, I owned an A5. I thought it was a great gun. Uh, I still own my Maxxis. The only downside to the Maxxis for me was the fact that you couldn't put an extended tube on it. Um, and I, I like the, I like the ability to do that uh, for, for snow goose season. And, um, you know, it, the other two, I've got a Black Eagle 3 and I've got an M2 20 gauge, which quite frankly, um, I have, I don't know that I'll shoot 12 gauge again unless I have to. I'm just a huge fan of that 20 gauge, man. Uh, that M2 just, it fits me perfect. Uh, I can shoot really well with it. I like, 
I like how light it is. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I think that I don't, I can't think of too many situations where uh, I would, I miss having a 12 gauge unless I'm in a snow goose spread. And I just, at that point, like I'm just trying to throw as many pellets downrange as I possibly can. Whereas, you know, I find myself almost automatically being more selective of my shots. Uh, I pay more attention to uh, what it is that I'm shooting at and picking out a particular bird. And I think that's more of like a, I'm not a new waterfowl hunter anymore. You know, I don't have to, I'm more concerned with, with the sport uh, maybe more so, I guess is a way to say it now than maybe I was, you know, six, eight years ago when I was, you know, excited just to go out and shoot, you know, three hen buffle heads, you know, and now, um, you know, I'm more selective. I try to shoot drakes at all possible, you know, anytime that I can, um, you know, I try to, you know, really just wait for the perfect shot. You know, maybe I'll let them swing one more time, you know, nowadays. And, you know, I guess it works for me. The 20 gauge is, is nice, man. I enjoy it. Uh, I want to switch to 20 gauge only because. Uh, You're more box. controversy here. <laughs> so, only because of boss. So let's talk about this and the fact that there's a lot of haters on boss. More controversy. It's like there's a lot of haters on boss. Like a lot of haters. And I'm on the same thing about uh, having a shotgun that fits you and works for you. Um, I think that you can almost tailor that to yourself in shells as well. And the fact that I could see my misses a lot higher with cheaper shells. Going on kind of what you're saying about if I'm just blowing shells down range because they're cheaper i'm not really worried about it whereas now uh, i know for a fact if i can put the bead on it where i'm supposed to and you know move through the target with it a lot of times i'm not going to miss and i'm well i shouldn't say i'm not going to miss yeah and so that that right there is why i shoot tighter chokes um i don't like the idea of of injured birds man uh, and that's again, you know, just a just a plug, boss man. It's it's not like we're getting paid for this, uh, but I I'm a huge believer in it. Uh, since the moment I started shooting it, um, it just flat out folds birds, and it's it's bismuth, right? And that and, and it would be the same with any other bismuth shell. Um, personally, the reason why I like it's a it's a small company. You know, they're uh, they're they're you know, a small company or small business, just like, you know, combat waterfowl. Um, they have incredible customer service. They offer military discount. Uh, furthermore, their ammo is just, it's, it's incredibly lethal, man. I shoot less shells than I did shooting steel. And that was just, it's just a fact, man. I shot way more shells shooting steel than I do shooting bismuth. And it's not, I do see your point about, being more selective with your shots, but it's also ballistics and science. You know, bismuth is malleable. When it impacts a target, it rips through uh, just the same as lead would, whereas steel, man, I've shot scoters and picked them up out of the water uh, and shook them off and steel pellets have hit the floor of my boat. 
Like they just, the performance of steel is not, uh, is not the same as bismuth is. And, you know, I don't like, I don't like crippled birds, man. It gets me. Um, it, it really bothers me and people, you know, not to mention you have an animal that, you know, you've, it's a, it's a sportsman thing to me, a hundred percent, man. Like it bothers me, you know, and people sit, people sit in a blind and let a cripple out there, you know, sit for 20 minutes before they go get, dude, it burns me up. It bothers me to the core. I mean, that's a, so like the big argument that I see a lot of guys have is they're like, I get 200 shells for more than the cost of 250. You just don't need that many shells. Like it, 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 like the cost comes down drastically. Whereas you're taking, you know, two, three boxes every time. I'm taking, you know, I'm taking I'm my money that. bag, however many I got. And, in uh, you know, really I want to circle it. back, I guess, to, you know, I see a lot of controversy. Uh, you know, I, I follow, uh, obviously I follow dive bomb stuff and, you know, I've seen, you know, a lot of stuff from uh, a couple other brands of, of silhouettes, you know, uh, dive bomb does, does what they do very, very, very well. And they brought a product, uh, that's affordable. Um, and there's a lot of people that, that hate on silhouettes still for whatever reason they work, man, a hundred percent, they work. You know, there's, there's a big debate between silhouettes and full bodies. You know, I, I can't, I can't sit here and say that, uh, that I don't, that I'm either way that like, I'm all for either way. I personally am more for a mixed spread. I like having, I like having some full bodies. Um, and I, I enjoy having the silhouettes. You can carry out a lot of deca a lot of decoys. Um, you can set them up really quickly. They don't take up a lot of room. Um, they're affordable, you know, their customer service is, is great. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard very many people complain about, uh, about their products ever. What are they? The They're clean. With sure. The block heads, the Canada's, those things are sick. <laughs> if you're laying in the layout, like I, I literally thought it was a real goose over there, man. I was like, yeah, I mean, there's no denying the realism, um, you know, at least from the, from how they look, but I just, you know, like talking about performance, man, there's people that you will never sway them away from a full, full body spread a day in their life. And there's other people that, you know, you couldn't get them to touch a full body, you know? Um, like I said, dude, I err on the side of, I like having both for, for particular reasons. And I don't think that there's, you know, I guess to just kind of like reel all of this into a point is that there is no one answer for every situation, whether it's a shotgun, whether it's a decoy, whether it's uh, an article of clothing, uh, whether it's a call, you know, and I guess you know, we haven't talked about calls, so we can talk about calls, man. Um, you know, there's there's the duck commander style poly calls, you know, and then there's people that um, they're only going to run full acrylic. You know, like what's your what are your thoughts on like calls? You know, are you a thirty dollar call guy or are you a hundred and thirty dollar call guy? I'm a, all a timber echo man. Just give me the echo timber and I'll call it good. Like I don't, I don't really need a. I'm not a huge caller anyways, man. Like birds here are not. I don't think they're very responsive to the call. Um, geese are responsive to the call here, 
but I don't think ducks are super responsive, so I don't spend a lot of time and energy on working on that. I also think it's a showmanship thing. Like, there's science behind calling, and it does work. I just think that it's over here, it's very situational limited. Um, you go out, you know, in other areas of the country, and I think it completely works. Um, yeah. I think. <laughs> I think that there's uh I think that there's definitely a huge difference in performance between poly and acrylic. Um I think that there's another, you know, when you're using a wood call, I think that there's there's performance differences between them. I definitely agree about the performance thing. There's like there's def I actually have a echo in uh acrylic and and wood. Yeah, I guess, you know, like what, what I wanted to kind of like bring in here is like if you're a new hunter or you've never really you've never really done it before, don't go out there and spend or feel like you have to spend, you know, thousands of dollars just to be competitive as a waterfowl hunter. I mean, dude, you remember the craziness that we did with very limited resources uh, and we still had a good time. We still killed birds and we learned a lot. And, you know, I think that people overlook that, especially to new hunters. I think that too, like on like the, the touch of being a new hunter, um, it's very hard to be a super successful one man hunter and bring a bunch of people on your back. Like it takes a village to always be successful, I think. Uh, and choosing your days and when you're going to do it as well. I've learned just as much on days where I didn't do much than days where I did. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm always learning and, you know, I'm always trying to find new techniques, new products to use. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to do better and, uh, you know, I'm trying to refine the craft even more so. Uh, and hunting with other people too, and and seeing the differences in how they use their stuff and what they use, you know, um, layout blinds versus a frames. You know, there's there's people that are a hundred percent on one side or another, and there's people that, um, in my opinion, do it the right way. There's situations where an a frame, I think, is just as successful as uh, a layout blind, but there's 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 times the opposite's the case. I mean, it's I think you I think you have to look at each situation unique and uh, and objectively. Oh, for sure. Um, I was kind of I was gonna bridge in the blinds, anyways. Um, what are your take? What's your take on a commercial versus a DIY? And I say that because a lot of guys will rag the the you know if you got a good guy, he's a crappy a handy guy you know he i mean there's some guys out there that make some stuff that is completely in my opinion better than anything on the market as far as you know durability sustainability and just pure cover um i'm not a big fan of too many commercial blind settings uh, as far you as know, <laughs> i'm a huge proponent of if it works for you then I'm happy for you. Um, the benefits of commercial products are that they, there's less, obviously less work and time than 
um, you know, something that you DIY, there's, there's no R and D there's nothing, you know, there's a company that's done all of that for you and they've made a product and, you know, they're using it. You know, I think that, you know, tangle freeze panel blinds are great for what they are. Uh, I don't think that they are excellent in high wind situations. Um, like maybe, a an Avery a frame would be. Um, but you know, if it's, if it's the right situation again, you know, like, Everything to me is situational. If you've built something and you've taken your time and you've thought about it and you've hunted other stuff and you've maybe improved upon things you liked and didn't like about some commercial products, then I'm all for it, man. I don't think anybody should really rag anybody else for um, for trying to do something on their own. You know, I think if uh, if it works for you, I'm happy for you. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I'm a uh, I like to consider myself a handyman. I I mean I'm all about trying something out until I can't. Um, I will say I mean I had a, a, a Avian X A frame man and I I thought it was it was money. Don't, I mean it's it was the uh, the I got rid of it, but uh, the only thing that I didn't like about it was setup and teardown. We think we covered a lot of the uh, a lot of the gear stuff. Hopefully we've kind of touched on a lot of the. I don't know, maybe some of the controversy in the, in the industry about it and, um, gotten a different perspective. Uh, you know, I'm already, I'm already looking forward to, uh, our next topic and, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Appreciate you guys listening.